this might have just done it. This one might have just done it. The final nail in the coffin of the 2023 Yankee season. And maybe that's a bit overdramatic or maybe the opposite. Maybe it's it's already been over for a while and that's probably more likely. But in terms of sim, you know symbolism-wise, um, you know, Clay Holmes just implodes. Uh, the Yankees blow a four-run lead in the ninth to the Miami Marlins. And now they are 1-8-3 and three in their last 12 series. So they were very close. I feel very bad for Garrett Cole. I mean, another, you know, really, you know, guts out a six-inning two-run performance, just continues to give this team everything he has. And when I think about, this is, I think, probably the biggest gut punch. I, I've used that word before. But this is probably the most demoralizing loss of the season, um, just in terms of, like, pure blowing the lead late like that. Um, I think the other two that I think about were also Sunday Road Garrett Cole starts. One of them was his fault, was that uh, one versus the Rays, which must have been back in May. I think it was in May. Yeah. Or maybe uh, April or May. Um, Early-ish in the season. And, you know, Yankees had a 6 nothing lead. Cole kind of implodes, and the Yankees lose that game. Then the other game that comes to mind is the series coming out of the All-Star break at the Rockies. That Sunday game, which also was a cold start, um, that had, you know where Holmes gave up a grand slam in the eighth to C.J. Crone, and that was the game where you have uh, you know Nick Ramirez. You know it was just a total mess. Nick Ramirez, I think, implodes at the end, uh, and Ron Marinaccio. But and then you have this game, where you know Clay Holmes. Who's been really, really good? I, like I, I have to be fair. Clay Holmes has been very good for a while. Um, you know, I think he'd only allowed three runs, you know, since like May sixth or something to that effect, and now he gave up four in this outing alone. Um, so again, like the Yankees, like they win the first game of a series, and that's the other thing too. Like I said, the Yankees early in the season. There were, and, and that's been a thing for the Yankees. There's been a lot of rubber games in general. Like I keep on saying, they split the, the first two probably more than any other team in the league. The Yankees have only been swept, I believe, twice. Um, and those were depressing series recaps as well at the Red Sox and at the Angels. But just as far as, you know, just games and rubber games, you know, it, it's really the three I mentioned come to mind the most. Rays, Rockies, and then this Marlins one, which I think is the dagger for this team, even though I know there's, I, I, like I even admitted, I, I, you know, when I was talking to Casey, um, producer, uh, during the Astro episode, you know, saying that, like, there will be ebbs and flows. Maybe I need to tell myself that because, again, like, it is a long season and you kind of, all it takes is, like, a little bit of a winning streak, which the Yankees are incapable of. That's the thing. It's like, you're just seeing, like, the Yankees are simply incapable of putting on those little streaks to even get themselves back in it. So... You know, the Yankees are in trouble. And to finish my point, they the rubber games. I think that's now, you know, don't hold me to this exact number, but I believe six straight rubber games they've lost now. Um, like, they simply are not getting it done. They lose series regularly. Like I said, they're 1-8-3 in their last 12 series. That doesn't even include, like, before that, they beat the Oakland A's. So, again, their last two series wins are against Kansas City and Oakland. Like, that's all you need to know right there. Um, like, it's just simply not going to happen for this team. Um, and now they're two games above 500, which they haven't fallen that far. I, like, they went down to three a bunch. I don't know about two. I, 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 you know, could be wrong about that. And again, the Yankees have not been under 500 at any point this season. And that will that will be tested against the Braves. If they get swept by the Braves, they will be under 500 for the first time all season long. 
Uh, and here we are in mid-August. So, yeah, it, it's going to be tough riding out the string here the rest of the season. It, it, look, I mean, spoiled as a Yankee fan in the sense that you, you're always at worst in it going down to the final wire, you know, deep into September. This year, I, I do think that it's it's going to be a different feel. Sure, maybe you don't feel that right now because, again, like as we speak, uh, and I'm, I'm tracking the end of, you know, just more for factual sake, I'm tracking the end of the Mariner-Oriole game just to see how far out the Yankees are in the loss column. It, 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 you know, that's the funny thing. The Yankees kind of are looking like they got some help this weekend. The Blue Jays are going to lose two out of three. But they, sorry, they lost two out of three. Um, the Mariners are looking like they might lose uh, two out of three. I believe that was a three-game set with the Orioles, not a four. But either way, like, like it's, it's not as if like they aren't getting some help lately. But yet, it just it's it doesn't matter. Um, it really just doesn't. And uh, you know the the Yankees are just their own worst enemy. And it's always something new. It's always something new. But yeah, it, it's and again for me, these episodes are like venting sessions. Uh, you know, for myself, it's just this Yankee team is really really tough to watch. And I'm sure they are they are for all of you. Um, like I say, you know, please like and subscribe. Um, you know, we're gonna try to get this together. Like I said. I mean, rest of the season, I'm going to continue to go through it. You know, maybe next season we'll consider, you know, different different ways going about this and, you know, having more fun with it. But I'm going to continue, you know, for consistency's sake, for the 2023 season to continue to go through these series um, as hard as it might be. And, you know, maybe, you know, some what I'm kind of hoping for is, you know, maybe some prospects called up. You know, maybe like an Everson Pereira, maybe an Austin Wells. We've already seen Oswald Peraza. I would expect him to be one of those guys. So, that can bring some level of excitement. Again, who knows? Like those guys could fall flat on their faces, but at least it's something different. It's something that can maybe provide them just a little bit of energy. Because boy, does this team need it! All right, so let's let's jump into it. Um, and, and another injury: Nestor Cortez, who I, I think I had mentioned last episode that he didn't come out great out of that Astro game. The fact that he was starting, scheduled to start. Uh, a week after the last one, that wasn't good. I didn't think it'd lead to an IL situation because, you know, he was still pencil. You know, he was still in there, scheduled to be the starter. And then it, it comes out, he is going on the IL. And let me just get it right as far as the injury to Cortez. Um, it was a left rotator cuff strain. I don't think we're going to see Nestor Cortez uh, for the rest of the season. Like, it, it's not official. Is there a world in which maybe he comes back? But I think... When you combine the fact that the Yankees are probably going to be out of it, they're just going to play it smart and just, I, I, I don't think he's, we're going to see him a again, you know, this season. And, and that really is what potentially ends a very disappointing year for Nestor Cortez Jr. What a great story he was, really dating back to 2021. Um, just simply brilliant. And, you know, ever since that last game versus the Astros last year, the elimination, the game the Yankees got eliminated in, it just kind of snowballed into this year where the injury, you know, where just the injuries and, yeah, I mean, you know, some ineffectiveness as well. Although it was interesting that the last glimpse you got of, of Nestor was him really doing well versus the Astros. So that was a good sign to at least see that. Like, it's not as if, like, it's not as if he lost his ability. But I think injuries got the best of him. And look, like, look, I'm sure there was a bit of a regression that was due there, simply. But I think Nestor is someone that, like, look, is, is going to be in that rotation to start next season. Uh, you don't feel like you did going into this year. But I think for Cortez... You're just hoping that, um, you know, this time off can do him well. 
Just an update, the uh, Mariners have lost to the Orioles, so the Yankees uh, sit at um, four out on the loss side. And, and, and for me, it just goes to show what a missed opportunity that uh, like it was. Not that, not that I was confident they were going to come back, but what a missed opportunity. They could have just simply won today. They would have been three out on the loss side, uh, out of the playoffs, like which is not that insurmountable. And if you could have kind of survived the Brave series... But to me, just it's what it does for you symbolically. Not even it's a missed opportunity. It's it's combined with you have no leeway to 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 fuck up like this. So it just it makes it even more difficult in some ways. Where it's almost like you know you like if you're a Red Sox fan, the Red Sox they are two out of the lost side. You know, like they're two games out of the Yanks. It, it, it's bad times for the New York Yankees, and and I think it's only going to get worse from here. Only going to get worse from here. So, Randy Vasquez, who uh, now, look, think about the rotation for a second. It's going to be Cole, Schmidt, Severino, who now is going to stay in. Severino is in for Tuesday versus the Braves, game two. That is scary. That is very, very scary. I mean, oh my God. W what do we think? Five, six runs in the first inning? I mean, I honestly, like that, I mean, whew. but anyway, Severino stays in the rotation, and now coming in is going to probably be or likely be Randy Vasquez and Johnny Brito, who both of them at times have have done the job. You know, I think Brito more of a mixed bag, but also Brito has Brito has been in more. You know, Vasquez we haven't seen as much as Brito, but I think that'll be good to see, right? I mean, those will be auditions for next season. So I think, like in some ways, like I don't hate that they're in there. I don't think it's always going to go smoothly. But then again, better than maybe Carlo, than what Carlos Rodon was giving you, and he will be back probably in about a week or so if there's no setback. So he'll probably get back in the rotation, but I'm not feeling confident on that. That's another story. So Vasquez is the bulk guy, and Ian Hamilton is the opener again. So two starts in a row for Ian Hamilton, which is obviously a rarity to see someone start two games in a row. And for Hamilton, it was a good first inning, but a bad second inning. Also, an update on DJ LeMahieu. He did not play at all in the series, but it sounds like he will not go to the IL, that he will be back for the Braves series. But as I suspected with DJ... I guess I was wrong because I thought that he was going to go in the aisle, and I think there was a chance of that. But it was bad enough that he did not play the series. So the lineups were fairly similar each game. Look, Aaron Judge has been out there now. Like, he's not getting off days, and he's been out in the outfield too. So he's, you know, kind of gutting it out. And for him, I think that they should shut him down in September. If this is heading where I think it's heading, I, I think it's time to shut it down for Aaron Judge. But, um, yeah. Ian Hamilton opener, and again, this is a series versus a Marlins team that has a similar record, but is in a better situation because the National League, uh, that third wildcard spot is not as good as, you know, the Blue Jays and Mariners are. Um, but kind of for love, you know, and, and here's another thing, a lot of points here to make before we get into it. Um, Yankees are so much better versus lefties. It's just so apparent. It's not even close. Not even close. So, Jesus Lazardo, who's had a really nice season. Good numbers, good stuff. Yankees got to him. Um, and in this series, Yankees got to Lazardo and right-hander Yuri Perez in Game 3. But in the middle, Sandy Alcantara pitches, pitches a complete game. Gives up one run in a complete game. So, it's just within a series. Um, you know, and give Alcantara credit. I mean, he hasn't been great this year. It's kind of like a Dylan C situation, but not quite to that extreme. Where, like, last year Alcantara won the Cy Young. And, and in this series, he was showing his Cy Young stuff. But I'll get to that. Soon, um, Lazardo versus Hamilton, but then Randy Vasquez is the bulk guy, and the Yankees get on the board early. Um, 
Anthony Volpe, the home run ball for him continues, um, and, and that's been a good sign. You know, I, I'd almost rather him in the future sacrifice some home runs for just more better uh, plate discipline and, and, you know, a little higher average. But, you know, look, the home runs are still impressive nonetheless. Um, and in the second inning, you get a couple of singles by Stanton and Bader. Stanton returns to uh, Miami. And Volpe hits a three-run homer, and that was huge. The Yankees, when they take the lead, except for game three, it, when the Yankees take the lead, they do well. When they don't take the lead, they don't do well. And that's, like, obvious, but I think to the Yankees, I think it's more to the extremes, where when they're losing, it's like it feels like there's no chance. And when they're winning, a lot of times it works out, except for, like I said, this Clay Holmes just fucking epic meltdown. So the Yankees take a 3 nothing lead off that. Um, bottom of the second, Ian Hamilton struggles. After a good first inning for Hamilton, in the second inning, he does struggle. And it's, it's interesting because you think about the complaints as far as the last game with them bringing Severino in in the second inning. Well, Hamilton did struggle in the second inning. So, I mean, that's something to, to keep in mind. Um, you get a, a one-out RBI triple by Jesus Sanchez and then an RBI double by Jake Berger. Jake Berger killed the Yankees. It's funny. He gets traded for the White Sox, who beat the Yankees, and then Jake Berger on the Marlins kills them anyway. And Jake Berger, if I remember correctly, did well versus the Yankees at Yankee Stadium early in the season as a White Sox. So Berger, RBI double, makes it 3-2. Um, in the third, Aaron Judge, an absolute bomb. Dead center field, 22nd over of the year, 464 feet, uh, makes it 4-2 Yanks. Then in the bottom of the third, Randy Vasquez comes on. And Vasquez wasn't amazing in this outing, but, but it was good enough. He ends up going three and two-thirds inning and gives up two runs. Not bad. Not bad. Like, you know, considering he was staked to a lead, um, and that lead was extended in the fourth after Vasquez pitched a 1-2-3-third, you have an RBI single by Oswaldo Cabrera. So Oswaldo started in this one versus the lefty um, over McKinney, and Oswaldo, you know, had that RBI single. There was some other at-bats where Oswaldo did not come through, but there he does. And then you get a counter for left RBI single. I IKF, with runners in scoring position, is batting about 333. I think it's a little bit less than that. Uh, after the series is over, but yeah, like, he's just a guy that comes through. Again, if you put expectations in the right place when it comes to IKF, you come out really liking the guy. Um, you know, I, it's unfortunate the way he came over here, the fact that he was the shortstop last year, but, you know, if you take that away, he's a pretty solid player. Uh, and so that gives the Yankees a 6-2 lead, and then you get a Glaber Torres RBI single after Lozardo gets taken out. Gives the Yankees a 7-2 lead. Then in the fourth, the uh, Marlins score a run off of Vasquez. It's an RBI double by Jake Berger. And again, like I said, he really had the Yankees number. So I mean, it's 7-3. Um, let's jump to the bottom of the six. Josh Bell hits a homer off of Vasquez, makes it 7-4. And then things get interesting where Loisega comes in. Look, Jonathan Loisega in the two outings he's been in looks good. Uh, Loisega, I think he's going to be in a very, very high leverage role in this bullpen, the way it's looking. Um... He comes in with a runner on second and two out, and he gets Berger to ground out. And they were not getting him out, so good job by Loisega. Um, then he he pitches a 1-2-3-7th uh, and looked good doing so. Then at the bottom of the eighth, Tommy Canely comes on and does the job. Uh, it's a 1-2-3-8 for Tommy. Then in the ninth, Stephen Okert, the lefty, comes on for the Marlins. You get a, you know, a, a few runners on, and eventually... A two-run single after Bauer strikes out. And boy, Jake Bowers was bad this series. He goes 0 for 5 with five motherfucking strikeouts in, in the third game. Platinum sombrero. Rizzo shit. But now we find out that Rizzo is concussed, so I won't be as mad at him about that. But Jake Bowers, I just don't like the guy. Like, nothing against him personally, just as a player. It's just not good. He's just not someone like next year. Like, I let's 
let's move away from Jake Bowers. Like, even, like, I, he's just a terrible fielder. Strikes at way too much. Um, you know, and can it lefties, but, like, he shouldn't even be in those situations. Things are so bad that he needs to be in there every day as the first baseman. So, anyway, after Bowers strikes out with the bases loaded, Higgy gets a two-run single to give the Yankees a 9-4 lead. And, 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 again, for Higgy, like, I, I think, all in all, as a hitter, it's been fine. It's been fine. Like, I don't know what his Yankee future holds, but, you know, I, I think that he's done okay offensively um, compared to years past. Maybe the power not as strong, but the the hits are, are more there. So, anyway, Clay Holmes comes out of the ninth, and in this ninth, he goes 1-2-3. We will talk about Clay Holmes again, unfortunately. But the Yankees do win game one, uh, nine to four, a rare Friday night win, a rare first win of the series. And you're thinking, all right, here we go. Nice. Good stuff. Game two, game two. We'll get through this one quickly. Game two, uh, Michael King starts and that's an intriguing idea. Now, Michael King used to struggle as a starter, but his repertoire was a little bit different at that point. So it's a little more understandable, but King, you know, against uh, his actually former team, he came up as a Marlin, wasn't with them long in their organization, but the Yankees acquired, uh, you know, King through the Marlin system, uh, as they also did with Herman uh, previous to that. But um, it would be uh, Sandy Alcantara on the mound for the Marlins, and he would go nine innings and allow uh, just five hits, one earned run, two walks, and 10 strikeouts. Just shut the Yankees down. And Michael King, unfortunately struggles, uh, and that costs the Yanks. And it's funny, Johnny Brito did a great job. And, and it's funny, it's, it's all circumstantial sometimes, right? Like, if Brito had the lead, who knows if that happens, but Brito, down, did a good job of keeping them in it. He ends up going five innings and gives up one run. No walk, six strikeouts, only three hits. Like, a really nice job for Johnny Brito, but unfortunately, Michael King is the one that does struggle in the first inning. Uh, and, and right when it happened, I'm thinking, yep, we're in trouble, because when the Yankees fall behind early... It does not go well. Uh, I can't imagine the Yankees are great as far as comeback wins. Early in the year, it felt like maybe they were decent with that. And I know last year they were. But this year, I got—I don't know what the stat is there, but the Yankees should be at best in the middle of the pack when it comes to comeback wins, which, again, is a weird stat anyway. But first inning, um, it's a short homer for Luisa Rice. Crushes it off a of king. You know, just can't have that. And uh, the Marlins take a 2 nothing lead right then and there. Uh, and then Brito comes on in the third after King pitches two innings, and Brito pitches a scoreless third. And then in the fourth, you do get an RBI single by Joey Wendell, the former Tampa Bay Ray, gives the Marlins a 3-0 lead. Um, Yankees are getting shut down. They do score a run in the seventh, uh, and it's funny, Angel Hernandez was... Really, he's such a bad ump, it's, you know, but it wasn't all anti-Yankee. Like, he was kind of squeezing Alcantara at times, and it kind of leads to a Billy McKinney walk. Then there's a ball called on Alcantara, and then Connor Falefa, the runners in scoring position machine guy, uh, knocks the runner in, an RBI single to the opposite field, cuts the lead to 3-1, but unfortunately, it would stop there, and Volpe does strike out. Again, I want Volpe to cut down on those strikeouts. That, that That's a goal for next going into the next season. Um... We jump to the eighth, and Keenan Middleton comes on. And Middleton has done a pretty decent job for the Yankees so far. Um, you know, some bumps there, but mostly pretty good, considering that he's a depth piece in this pen. Uh, we go to the ninth. Yankees down 3-1, and Glaber gets a single to start it out. So, oh, and you're thinking, okay, Stanton's down the tying run, and Stanton strikes out. Too many just non-competitive at-bats for Stanton. But that's who he is. That's who Giancarlo is. Uh, and it's a non-competitive at-bat. Um, strikes out very easily, and then Billy McKinney gives the Yankees their best chance as he hits a ball deep to left, opposite field, but it only has warning track power. Does not go out, and then Connor Falefa grounds out to end it. Uh, it is a 116-pitch complete game for Sandy Alcantara. 
and now we go to the third game, and it's Garrett Cole on the mound, and he he did his job. It was not necessarily a vintage, amazing Cole outing, but it was good. Um, and the Yankees did well versus Yuri Perez, who's a very impressive young pitcher. I did not think the Yankees would do well versus him, but they really got him out of there. And I can't kill the Yankee offense. Yeah, sure, they didn't score in the last three innings. You wish they could have, but they didn't. And it did cost them, but it should have never came down to that. Clay Holmes is the, the GOAT here. Um, although I, I look at the box score and I see Jake Bowers 0 for 5 of 5 strikeouts, his batting average is down to 217. Uh, he is being overplayed, uh, and he's leading off regularly. It, it's not what you want. It's as, as Joe Girardi used to say, it is not what you want. So, Yankees take the lead in the second inning. Um, you get a walk by Bader, he's still second, and then with one out, kind of for left, RBI single. Uh, gives the Yankees a 1-0 lead. Um, and for Harrison Bader, again, like, just, I don't know what his future holds, but he's a solid, when healthy, he's a really solid player. You know, again, if expectations are kept in check, he's not a, you know, he's, you know, like, he's not ever going to wow you completely offensively, but he does, he does enough, plus the good defense in center field. So, anyway, Connor Falefa gives the Yankees one nothing lead there. Then, in the third, a two-out RBI double for Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, gives the Yankees a 2 nothing lead, and Judge scores on that one, uh, scoring from first, which was good to see. Judge is, you know, just fighting through it. Uh, and then in the third, unfortunately, which should have been an inning-ending double play, and the Yankee fielding in this game was, was certainly spotty, uh, to say the least. It doesn't go down as an error, but Cole gets what... And it's funny, Josh Bell twice is the one that ends up benefiting from this in both cases... Uh, Josh Bell grounds into a force out, um, but it could have been a double play, but Volpe is not able to handle it. It prolongs the inning, and then Luis Arise, RBI single. Luis Arise is such a good hitter. Like, it, it's good to see him out of the American League, but was not fun to face him in this series. Makes it 2-1, but then the Yankees score in the fourth. Volpe makes up for it. It's a two-run homer for Anthony Volpe, a 16th homer of the year, makes it 4-1 Yanks. Perez is out of the game after four innings, which is a nice job by the Yankees to get him out of there. Uh, and then the new pitcher, Brazabon, comes on, and you get a couple of Labor Torres steals. Labor Torres' hitting streak comes to an end um, in this game, but he does get three steals um, in this one as well. So Labor, who we know is very aggressive at times, but in this game it did work out. Um, he actually scores in a wild pitch to give the Yankees a 5-1 lead. You get a Billy McKinney RBI ground out to make it 6-1. So um, good stuff all around there. And then in the sixth, Ben Rortfed gets his first home run as a Yankee. So you even get that. Like, you got everything. Yankees are up 7-1. Cole on the mound. You're looking good. And, and for Garrett Cole, this is now going to be the seventh loss on the season when Cole has, you know, um, you know, when Cole has gone six innings or more and has led two earned runs or less. How crazy is that? Seven losses in those situations is just fucking mind-numbing. So he does give a run in the sixth. Um, it's a RBI single by Jake Berger to make it 7-2, but that was all. Then in the seventh, Yankees, you know, had a chance to do some more. Um, A.J. Puck comes on and strikes out Connor Falefa, so it stays 7-2. Then Wandy comes on in the seventh, does the job in the seventh inning. It's a 1-2-3 inning. And then in the eighth, Yankees don't do anything. They're, it's the strikes out the side. Uh, AJ Puck, I believe. And then in the bottom of the eighth, the the Marlins do score a run. Josh Bell leadoff walk, which you don't want, and that was Wandy. And then after a line out by a rise, Keenan Middleton comes on and gives up an RBI double to uh, Brian De La Cruz. And this was a play where McKinney struggles in the left field corner. You won't see it in the box score, but that actually did cause a run. 
and a big run, as it turned out, because then Berger strikes out and Sanchez grounds out. So, like, if McKinney fields it cleanly, maybe you get out of there 7-2 and set it 7-3. We go to the bottom of the ninth, and Clay Holmes comes on in a four-run game. Um, and you're thinking, okay, this should be easy. But Yuli Gurriel, the former Astro, starts it off with a leadoff double. But then, Jan Birdie strikes out. So, okay, like, this should be okay. Then Nick Fortes... With a sort of a seeing eye infield single where Volpe makes a nice job to keep it in the infield, but he can't get the out. No one's fault, just a little unlucky. And then he walks Jazz Chisholm. And that and that's always where Clay goes. And it wasn't like a crazy wild inning for Clay Holmes, but that walk kills you. Kills you. And so now it's basically sort of one out. And here to me was the key play of the game. Josh Bell, it's a ground ball up the middle. Holmes kind of gets a glove on it or kind of goes off of his uh his hip area. And he, and he gets the ball, picks it up, throws to first, and it hits Bell. So not only does Holmes not field it cleanly, if he does, this could have been a double play. If somehow it doesn't hit Holmes, it could have been a double play. So many things could have happened, and you get no outs. They don't even get one out. So Holmes throws it to first, and the throw is off base, and now it is 7-5, first and third, one out. That was that was just a killer right there. And then Luis Arise hits a two-run triple down the first baseline. And I'm wondering... And again, this is maybe me being hard on Jake Bowers, but I'm wondering if Rizzo's in there, if even LeMahieu's in there, is is somehow someone at least deflecting that? Maybe not. Maybe I'm dead. It was it was smashed. Don't get me wrong. But I just, I don't have any faith in Jake Bowers defensively. None. And that doesn't even mention the fact that he dropped the ball earlier in the game. It didn't cost the Yankees, but wow. But anyway, this is on Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes absolutely implodes when the Yankees needed him most. And then Tommy Canley comes on. After the game is already tied, he walks Brian Dela Cruz, which is fine. Then he goes to second on defensive indifference while Jake Berger's up. They should have pitched carefully to Jake Berger. They don't. And Jake Berger gets a game-winning RBI hit. Um, you know, should have pitched careful to him. You want to force, I know you don't want to walk the, the, the winning run in, but you re, but A, Jake Berger's been killing them, and B, you really want to set up that force play. Um, but the Yankees don't believe in intentional walks, and so that's where you are. So the Yankees lose a devastating series. I, I know some people have already checked out, but still, again, as I stated, you know, the Yankees have been getting some scoreboard help lately. I mean, as it sits right now, the Yankees are, like I said before, I believe they're four out on the loss side. Yeah, four out on the loss side, which is not that crazy. They could have been three, but that's also me being way too optimistic. This team doesn't deserve it. This is what they deserve. This is not a playoff caliber team, not even close. And under 500 could be in their future. Speaking of Yankees Braves coming up, the league best Atlanta Braves, who uh, as we speak right now sit at 75 and 41. I would not be surprised when I'm when it's all said and done because they're playing the Mets tonight in Sunday Night Baseball and they're up three nothing. I would not be surprised if they end up at 76 and 41. The pitching matchups are as follows: Clark Schmidt versus Max Fried, which is probably your best shot at winning, which is scary. But the reason I say this is because a Clark Schmidt's your best starter going in this series, and Clark Schmidt. I believe is from Georgia. Yes, he is. So that this should be pretty meaningful for him. I, I assume he grew up a Braves fan, so I hope Clark does well. Uh, not just as a Yankee fan, but for him. And Max Freed, because he's a lefty, the Yankees do better versus lefties. So just with that logic alone, that's your best shot at winning. Game two, let's forget about that altogether. It'll be Luis Severino versus Bryce Elder. That's a loss. And then game three is Randy Vasquez 
versus Charlie Morton, which you can't feel good about that. We know what you know the, the troubles that Morton has given the Yankees dating back to his time with the Astros. So yeah, I think a sweep is very, very possible, if not likely. And we'll see if the Yankees can scrape out a win. And by doing so, the only thing it does there is it prevents them from going under 500. So we will find out when I speak to you guys next whether the Yankees will drop below 500. They sit at 16.58. Will they get swept? Will they win a game? That's the question. Um, expectations are completely diminished. And this game here, I believe, is the final nail in the 2023 coffin of the New York Yankees. Clay Holmes absolutely implodes, and the Yankees lose a devastating one. And now sit at 16.58. And with this series loss, the Marlins are now 1-8-3 in their last 12 series. <laughs>